Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Hey, it's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks back once again. And we are very much into summertime, Dave Brooks. Summertime and no movies. Yeah, unfortunately not. But... It's been fun seeing how people are getting creative for their summertime movie experience, which sometimes people enjoy getting by going to the theater. People are, I think, trying to get creative on how to do that from home, which is fun to watch. You know what I've got to, I'm not even kidding here, seriously thinking about doing is setting up my backyard, get a sheet or something and hang it off the side of the house and get one of those projector things. And allow, not just me, but allowing some of the right. neighbors. Hey, tonight we're doing whatever movie. Come on over. We'll sit here. You guys sit a distance over there. We'll sit a distance over there. Of course, in the summer, it gets dark so late, no movie's going to start prior to the, like 10 o'clock. It has to be dark enough so that you can actually see the screen. Yeah. But, I, you know, we'd open it up to anybody and everybody, you know. That's the only challenge, especially being where we are, is that it gets to be dark pretty late around these parts plus you have to deal with the mosquitoes and such but it's tiki still a, it, it's still a cool idea isn't it hey tiki torches it would work great for an indiana jones movie it almost be yes. part of the ambiance yes that's a great thought yep <laughs> anyway welcome to rick and nick talk flicks uh he's dave brooks and i'm joel hoover and we are sponsored by the bemidji theater located on highway two just down from the airport we're very much looking forward to the day when we're going to be able to go back to the Bemidji Theater and get to catch some movies there. Um, we've, we're hoping that it's going to be later on this year. That's the hope. They'll That's, be back. Yeah, that is the hope that later on this year we'll be able to get out there and uh, see some movies. And again, when they are open and ready, Highway 2, just down from the airport, is the place to go for the Bemidji Theater. And we thank them for being a sponsor of this podcast. Great place to go see. They really do a pretty good job with the theatrical experience. And that's kind of, we're kind of doing more of a, a COVID checkup with what's going on with that's this right. interesting era in which we find ourselves where we don't have anything for movies. There's, there are things that are going on. There are things that are not going on. And then, of course, there's the look into the future. How will things be? Might things be? A lot of good questions, and I think we'll do our best to kind of get a feel for maybe some answers. We'll see. That's the goal, yep, is to try to take stock of where things are right now. And honestly, the funny thing about this episode is there may be changes that will be coming even after we record this. I mean, oh, we're yeah. going to get this up same day. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and we're going to be posting it. We know very clearly that there will be changes that will likely come in the very near and immediate future. Well, this episode is pretty much a time capsule. It'll be funny to listen back to this a few years from now. Boy, that's how things were in uh, the summer of 2020. Wow, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, this is a uh, snapshot as to where we are today. Maybe the best place to start is a state of the slate of the summer box office where pretty much the next release date that I'm aware of is Tenet 
coming out here in mid-July. July, what's the date they've got it set for? July 17th. Is and it's more than date. just trying to get the movie out. It's almost a litmus test as to whether or not we're going to put movies in the theaters at all for a while. Tenet is Christopher Nolan's new movie that's highly on the way. Anticipated. Yeah, highly anticipated. And classic Christopher Nolan, shrouded in a lot of mystery. Um, the two trailers that have been released are almost identical to each other, really. They, they've kept the same shots essentially for both trailers with with a, a few small changes um, but it looks it looks very interesting another mind-bending time-bending movie um, John David Washington is at is at the center of it um, they've got Robert Pattinson in it Elizabeth Debicki um, Michael Caine is in it Kenneth Branagh very very intriguing concept that they've got um, especially if you've seen the trailer or even if you haven't seen it it's very intriguing but they said in the most recent trailer, which came out, I think, two weeks ago now, coming to theaters. There's no date on it. The goal is still July 17th, but it's clear that they are leaving some ambiguity just in case they have to kick it back a little bit further. But I think the hope is that we get to that point in July. Let's see if we can make this the litmus test because there's got to be a movie that is going to be the the t- the test the trial run of can people return to the theaters will people return to the theaters for these movies and and try again to, to try to see them it looks like tenant the goal is that they want to make that the movie that tests it out and if not they might have to kick it back by a couple of months well and part of the litmus test here that there's you know people talking about it that actually are connected as to whether or not and when movies have come out that it's kind of this is the line in the sand for Hollywood right now. Okay, we're going to leave this on the slate. Just about everything else in the summer slate has either been moved or has been just pulled and it's hovering until an indetermined date or pushed to next summer. So this is the line in the sand. All right, so July 17th, he said, if that's the date, if this comes out, great. And if it doesn't, if we have to push it for some reason, then there goes everything until maybe Christmas time. There's no point in setting up you know, spending money to pr- to promote a movie that's coming out on August 1st or whatever that doesn't ultimately come out. That's money that's you use to promote, and that's not going to help us. So this is the line in the sand for Hollywood. We either are or we aren't, and the next line in the sand sounds like it'll be Christmas season, and we'll go from there. Well, there is another movie that has held its date in June at this point. No changes to it, and that's the new Pixar movie that's coming soon, Soul. They that is set for June nineteenth. They haven't quite moved as well because rescheduling might be very difficult for them um, later on in the slate. By the looks of it, um, with how many Disney films are moved back in the queue, so that is another one. I did want to point that out too. That that one has also held its date, but again, very subject to change. But you know, subject to change, not just in date. Was was there last one onward? Is that what it was called? Yes, they kept that date. But it didn't come into theaters. It went right to VOD and streaming and Disney+. And so could this next one hold the date and go right to VOD? Clearly, by what he put at the end of the trailer, coming to theaters. He's making it clear Nolan is not going to let this, at least not initially, go to streaming or VOD. It's going to debut in theaters. And if it doesn't debut on July 17th, they'll push it to whatever date turns out to be. But that will be its debut on screen same thing with the new Top Gun Maverick movie, which was supposed to be coming out this month. Uh, that's been pushed. 
And it's not coming, at least not initially, to VOD. So that's the other line in the sand here. Christopher Nolan has been a pretty big advocate of the in-person movie experience. Another thing that I appreciate about him as a director is that he does really push for that and, and encourage that. And that's why I think he wanted, he hoped that maybe this movie would be able to to relaunch that. Will it be able to or not? That remains very much up in the air. The next month is going to tell us, I think, a lot about where that stands as we hit the month of July. But then beyond that, August, the schedule really starts to pick back up again. A lot of movies that have been kicked back. Even late July, beyond Tenet, Mulan is is set to come out then the following week. So they're all queued up. They're all ready with their new schedule, their new dates. It's like the rescheduled PGA Tour, which has a completely new season set. That's how the movie schedule is looking right now. Completely refurbished and rescheduled. The question is, will people come? And will it be deemed safe enough to come? Well, and subject to change, like we just talked about, if tenant date comes up and it's just not happening and they okay, we're going to pull it, you guess what's going to happen? All the schedule they've got set up is all going to tumble away and be reshuffled and so on and so forth. And when this pandemic is done, and it's safe. And I'm just telling you my own personal self, I love movies to death. The last one I saw, I think, was in January. It was 1917, last time I went to the theaters. So if they opened up any movie theater, if Alamo Draft House opened up, a, you know, took over the Bemidji Theater, we're going to show all these great classics. Oh, I wish I was there, but I'm not going to go. You know, until this is legitimately done, whether that means vaccine or it's just eradicated or whatever the case, you know, for the health of myself, my family, um, you know, my wife works within the medical field and she works with people that would be on the front line of this, not just battling it, but also those who could be the most susceptible to it. I don't want to expose her to a risk. So until this has a period at the end of the sentence and whatever that is, sports games and concerts and movie theaters, I'm going to be not so visible. But when that date comes, boy, you better believe I'm looking forward to going and I will be back. But not until it's safe to do so, legitimately, not political anything. It's all about medical science. And when medical science says, okay, we've got this licked and I've got a vaccine in me or whatever the case is, that's when I will start to venture beyond safe zones. Let's call it that. That's the choice. That's the choice that really stands at the center of this as far as will people go. But we have talked about this before here during the coronavirus, and it has opened up the door for streaming. And it's opened up the, the door for if you want new content, you, you are going to get it through streaming platforms. Any advertising for anything related to new content right now in media is all through streaming. I mean, how many times over the last few weeks have you seen advertising for any one of the streaming platforms? Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus, they seem to be... I seem to see an Apple TV advertisement pretty much all all the time now when I'm watching something. You know, I, I do not have Apple TV, and yet they are really hitting hard right now on on trying to advertise and trying to get themselves out there and get their brand out there and say, look at all these different people who we have in our various um, shows and limited series and movies that we have released through this platform. Take a look at us and give us a try right now. That's just one example of what's become another 
another pretty huge moment in the streaming revolution. Well, and you've got, just in the last week, you've got a brand new big one that just came onto the block. HBO Max is out. And that's not the last one, but you're also starting to see some where folks have done their best and they're going to either fold or retool. Um, YouTube TV, for example, they started streaming and probably most notable, they did the Karate Kid follow-up, Cobra Kai. Uh, There will be a third season, but Apple, or uh, rather YouTube, is passing on it. They're not going to pick it up. Sony's going to shop it around to somewhere else, so Cobra Kai will return but it won't be on YouTube. So that's one that's letting go. CBS All Access is another one that has had limited success. Well, since they had the remerger of Viacom and CBS, and we've talked about that with Star Trek, and uh, there's an announcement of a new Star Trek series. It'll be coming Strange New Worlds, but we'll see. Um, they're talking about retooling all of CBS All Access and tapping much more into the Paramount uh, library of what they've got, which they're not doing even right now, and I don't understand why that is. They can. They own it all. If it does have, you know, there are current agreements that are licensed out, so I'm sure those will run their course. And if they're exclusive, then they'll run out their contracts and then they'll all come back together. But uh, there will be a renewing of a, a, a re, they're rebuilding the house. They're gutting it. They're going to relaunch it. And CBS All Access will return in a different form. They're talking about this summer. We'll see and go from there. So where you've got, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before also, where you've got all these streamers with a lot of exclusivity and there's lots and lots of choices, but sometimes is too many choices a good thing or a bad thing? Exactly. Yep. So you're starting to see some of that happen right now. So right now it's like trying to walk into the middle of a blizzard. Let's look at the snowflakes. Well, it's kind of hard to see. They're all moving around so fast. They kind of need to settle and then you can get a better lay of the landscape. So um, it's going to be kind of a battle royal for a while until things start to settle out. But this is the wild card right now where everyone is, there's been a sort of a gentleman's agreement in a lot of ways where you've got streaming services that want to have these theatrical releases coming onto their platforms very quick. So if, if Avatar 2 comes out, let's just say December 1st, streaming services, they're going to want it on their platforms as soon as the box office begins to die out, if not sooner. Well, they've had a lot of gentlemen agreements where the deadline was no sooner than three months after theatrical release. Some are longer, but they're trying to push it up. Well, with this right now, you're not going to the theater to see the new movies. So movies like Onward, the newest Pixar one, didn't go to theaters like it was going to do. It went directly to VOD because that's all you could do, or streaming, both, you know, because that's all you could do. So there was, forget three months, that was on release date. So when this is over, whatever this is, you got to wonder how this new dynamic is going to be where this new content is driving people to these streamers. These streamers want to compete with the other streamers. They want to bring in the revenue. How is this going to line up for the box office when, well, we could have it on our own service right now. Well, why even release it theatrically? Let's just release it on our own streamers. You can see... I don't want to call them battle lines being drawn, but you could see where the conflict is going to be. We are still seeing, however, that the major production companies are holding fast to the idea of having these releases be theatrical, which, I mean, for you and me, people who really enjoy the theater experience, it has been nice to see that. It's been nice to see that they are holding fast to the idea of Let's get this out in theaters. We want this to be in theaters. For some of them, they could have just said, hey, we're going to go directly to to a on-demand release. And some of them did. But I think some of them went that route because of scheduling. 
more than anything because they've got other projects that are in the can or are in production. And they said, we've got, we've got a schedule to adhere to with that. We kind of have to be put in a position to release this on demand. We're not going to be able to find another date. And that's somewhat speculative. But then when you look at the movie schedule and you look at the fact that a lot of those companies do have a lot of movies that are coming down the line. Disney, for example, they could have looked at some of these movies and said, we're going to do just what we did with Onward. We're going to, we'll, we'll just put it on Disney+. Plus." No, they wanted that wide release. They recognized that there, there are, even though Disney+, Plus has had massive subscription, it still only has a select number of people who are subscribing and who are watching things on Disney+. Plus. They said, we still want that wide release for Mulan. We still want that wide release for these other ones that are coming later on. While some have gone the route of, let's put our content out directly through an on-demand setting or a streaming setting, I think it is still telling, though, that there are such a large plate of, of movies that are on tap to be released in theaters even with all that's been going on, they still recognize the importance of the box office take. They still recognize that because streaming, like you said, Dave, is still a blizzard of a lot of things going on. It's not like it's all streamlined, and it's not even like a large chunk of the population is subscribed to whatever your platform is. It's still finite. Theater is expansive. But you also have... Universal seems to be on the forefront of this right now where the theaters are pushing back against Universal because Universal had some releases that didn't go to theaters where this pandemic was beginning. Right. And they released them directly VOD and theaters stood up uh, saying, hey, if you're going to do this, we're not going to show your next release, which uh, Fast and Furious was going to be out this summer, which has now been pushed. Well, if you're going to do this when Fast and Furious comes out, we're not going to do that. But that's not realistic, likely. So if theaters are, you know, in some cases kind of hurting to get people in, especially right now where there isn't, I don't think, a theater in America that's open at the moment, you're going to start cherry-picking which shows you're not going to show. Well, I want to see the new Fast and Furious movie. Well, it's not going to be playing at the theaters here, playing at some but not at others. You could see where the problem lies, and Universal's not backing down from this. We've got content that we're going to get out there. Some we want to release wide, and some not necessarily the case. We're already running into the point where... Most of the movies that are coming out these days are either serious art movies that are Oscar contender types or they're tentpole movies. Those just generic kind of fun movies. One of my favorite kind of just mindless movies, but fun movie. It came out in like 1990, Mr. Destiny, for example. It's sort of a, it's a wonderful life, a modern take on it. They're not making movies like that anymore. And when they do, they're not going theatrical anymore. They're basically getting uh, sent to uh, a streaming service. They'll be showing up on Netflix or whatever the case. Uh, and that's sort of becoming the new norm. You need to be drawn to go to the movie theater rather than, well, this looks interesting. I like Jim Belushi. Let's go see it. You know, And Michael Caine's in it, too. That'll eh, be fun. And Linda Hamilton's in it, too. Fun, good movie. But those kind of movies, when they're made these days, and they're making them far fewer than they used to. Comedies and rom-coms in yeah. particular, they come to mind. Oh, find yeah. me. A, you know, you used to find 15 rom-coms in a year, almost in a month. Now, you might find five in a year. They just don't, they're just they not making romantic comedies. Granted, they made them to death, and they made them so paint by numbers and... Blah, blah, blah. They've lost their fluff. You know, that's a genre like the Western. That so kinda, it's kind of their own fault. Yeah. They kind of went onto the endangered species list. 
But, you know, if you do it right, they'll come back. Sleepless in Seattle comes to mind. But this is one where the the future and how it's going to look when this pandemic is over and theaters are back open, how is this going to go, especially where a lot of studios themselves are getting involved in streaming services like HBO Max. That's Warner Brothers. You know, so a lot of Warner Brothers content is going to be wanting to get onto HBO Max or whatever streamer they do. Whatever CBS All Access does, that's Paramount. You know, whatever, Disney Plus. Disney now owns the library of 20th Century Fox, which most are not there. And, of course, any other Disney content and Marvel. They want to get that stuff out on the streaming so they can compete not just with each particular title, but so that their platform, their streaming service, can compete against the other platforms. Well, here's a big title that we've got on ours that you're only going to get here, so maybe you won't subscribe to another streamer, but you'll, okay, we'll go to we'll go to Disney Plus rather than the Paramount streamer or whatever it is. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater as we continue our COVID catch-up that's going on here, our COVID checkup, whichever you prefer, um, about the state of things right now uh, with the movies as well as looking forward during the pandemic. Dave, I, I just I keep coming back to that idea that I, I wonder if they are considering the cost of, of losing that, that widespread release that you get with the, by not by going away from the streaming exclusive way of doing that um they may look at that as being just fine for on demand you know on a straight to video kind of format but but there is something to be said and that's why i brought it up earlier there is something to be said about that ability to be able to go to the theater that that everybody has that chance to go to the theater to see your product in a way that you can't get if you are paying for one streaming subscription device and not paying for another streaming platform. You have something different when it comes to being able to go to the theater and see it. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't like exclusivity anyway. Uh, our college here in town has got an exclusivity with a soda company. Well, if I want a different soda, I can't get one on campus. So when I was a student, I better like whatever the brand is, and I'm not going to say the brand's on the show, but if I wanted something else, nope, that's not part of that brand. I need to go somewhere else to go get one. Right. You get what? Well, so I'm, I'm not going to subscribe to every streamer that's out there. I'm just not. So if I want to go see whatever show and it's not on my streamer, I have to make the decision. Am I going to subscribe to another streamer just to watch this one show? When streaming was kind of new and was really starting to take off and Stranger Things was up and it was you know, however many years ago that was, I really wanted to see it. So now I've got Netflix and there's plenty of other things that go with it. And I love that. Did you get Netflix because of Stranger Things? I did. Really? But this was when there was only like two streamers at that point. Okay. So there wasn't 1,500 different choices. I really want to see this show and all the other stuff they've got. So I got it. Yeah. Netflix changed the game in that regard. They were really out at the forefront when it came to, to doing that. And. Now, everybody has tried to get on board and say, we want a slice of that pie. We want to try to follow that gravy train that they that they went for. Yeah, but you get a look, you look at a family's budget like ours. Well, I've got a kiddo, so we have Disney+. Plus. Kind of goes automatically. Those are our two. That's what we've got. So, this movie. I really want to see this movie, but it's only on this streaming platform. And only on... Well, if I want to see that movie, apparently I need to subscribe to that streamer. What else do they have? But still, that's $10 a month, $15 a month, whatever it is. 
do I want to do that? You know, are we going to go and stretch the budget even further to go and because I want to watch this one thing. But if it's at the movie theater and I want to go see this, even though you know it's, uh, let's say it's a Paramount release, so it'll come out on whatever the new CBS All Access streamer is, which I don't subscribe to, but I want to see the movie. Well, I'd like to see it in the theater so I could see the one movie I want to see, and I don't have to subscribe for a whole month to go see all this other stuff that maybe I don't want to see. Here's the thing that is staying in my mind and kind of is encouraging me, is that this is still pretty speculative, because... I think with these straight-to-video releases that were done by some of these these companies, they did it because of scheduling. I, I really do think that. I, I think they did it because of scheduling and because of this pandemic came on came on so quick in terms of, hey, we've got to shut everything down, that that was what they felt was the most logical, quick solution to it was, all right, for these that just hit theaters or maybe are are about to hit theaters, let's just send them to on-demand. We've got the platform for them. Let's send them there. And and then for the rest, they said, let's move the schedule. We will rework the schedule. The fact that they were willing to rework the schedule, I think that speaks volumes for how they view the theater-going experience. And that's encouraging for people like you and I who value that and, and who hold that in value, that they still hold that in value. How will that look post-coronavirus pandemic? Big unknown. We really don't know. Um, Let's let's talk about that theatrical experience because that's kind of the draw, right? I mean, if you want to go see a movie, you have a lot of options to go and see it. So let's say they have a revival and we're going to have uh, E.T. on the big screen. Come and see E.T. on the big screen. Well, why? It's streaming on this platform, and I've got the old DVD of it, and why would I want to go pay extra money for the ticket and for the popcorn and just to sit next to a guy who's got his cell phone going the whole time trying to pirate a video of it? You know, there's 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 good experiences. There's bad experiences, unfortunately. Then there's amazing ones, like when I went to go see Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that was, that was a moment that I, as a moviegoer, have waited eight, nine years for by now. Like from the first time I saw that in college to when I got to go see that this past fall in Fargo. I mean, that was a moment I had dreamed of for years, going to see this incredible movie on the big screen. And it was it was mesmerizing, like just mesmerizing to see that on the big screen and take that experience in. I, I mean, I was just floored. It was great. Yeah. There's movies I love. I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, they had a charity rescreening of Back to the Future. And I've seen that movie oh. probably literally not, I've seen it a hundred times. I probably have really honestly watched it a oh, hundred yeah. times pretty darn close. I just watched it a couple months ago. But on the big screen? Yeah, there I finally something... did. I didn't see it on the big screen yeah. when it first came out. I saw it uh, uh, on, on a rental on a VHS cassette. It was the oh. very first time I ever saw Back to yeah. the Future. Probably 1986 or whatever, you know, the year after it came out, when it came out on video. That's when I first saw it on a little, probably 15-inch TV. And I've seen it 100 times since. But maybe 10 years ago, they had a, you know, there was a United Way movie to help benefit the United Way. We're rescreening Back to the Future. I'd seen two and three on the big screen when they first came out, but I hadn't seen one on the big screen. And you were I like, went and saw one I'll on the big screen. There. I'll see you there. And it was marvelous. I know every line. I know what's going to happen. There's no surprises, but it's different when you see it in that where it's not just you can watch the show. It's like the movie's being shown to you, and there's no there's nowhere to hide. 
it's being in a cage match with the movie theater, and it's a good kind of cage match. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Here it is. I am almost certain we have talked about this at some point before, but that is one of the big differences between going to the theater and the streaming experience that we have today is that we are almost consuming this content in a robotic like fashion in just a in a we're we're gonna just kind of we're just gonna gobble up episode after episode with the binge watching we're going to gobble up movie after movie i have on multiple occasions here during during the pandemic i've i've kind of sat and thought to myself as I even as I've like tried to do you know double features in an evening like uh hey I've got this movie that I recorded that was that was on TCM or something I I want to go back and watch this and then it's like I have to kind of slow myself down and be careful not to watch too much in one sitting to go now are you are you really engaging with the story or is your mind just kind of drifting through this and I think sometimes we we make that mistake sometimes with the streaming experience that you you almost consume it mindlessly rather than really engaging in that, which you are watching. When you go to a theater, your phone is tucked away. Hopefully yeah, you've got a little bit of food with you, but you're engaged in the experience of watching that, that piece too. Maybe it is somewhat bygone which would be too bad if it is because that also is a nice piece of it. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can, and we've talked about this before, so we won't go too in-depth, but some people consume it like it's a time killer and other people consume it like it's a fine meal. They chew their food. They savor the taste rather than just get it down. You've definitely used that analogy before, but it's a good one. On Halloween night, my favorite holiday of all holidays, dinner for me is as fast as can be possibly put away. Just so I can get done and go out and have Halloween, I don't want to be sitting and chewing and wasting time where I really want to be doing other things. This movie is kind of the same way. I'm known to put on a movie that I know very, very well in the background while I'm doing something else, just for the sake of it. I've seen the movie 90 times. I know what's happening on screen, but just to hear it kind of plays at my brain while I'm washing uh, the, the bathroom tub or something. You know, no problem, no problem at all. There's nothing wrong with that. But especially if it's a first-time viewing, and it's going to be all new, you know, and if you've yes. got that opportunity to really take it in, doesn't matter if it's on your screen at home, preferably not on your screen on your device, because you want to be able to see everything. But you're absolutely right. There's people that consume it as just something to yeah, just kill some time and watch a movie, why not? And you don't really even matter what it is. But that kind of brings us to the next thing. When this is over and the battle is going to be on as to, okay, this particular piece of content we want it on our streamers, but the theaters want it also. Some theaters are starting to get, um, back in the old days, theater, the studios, like Warner Brothers, for example, they owned many of the studio or the theaters, rather, that they would be shown in. And a Warner Brother picture would be shown on a Warner Brothers screen. This is before multiplexes. If you go to New York City, one building, one screen, one movie. That's it. That's right. We're going to go to see the new Harry Potter movie. Okay, well, that's playing over on 3rd and Block or whatever street it would be. Wasn't it playing over the... Nope. One, they have 15 theaters, 15 movies. That's it. Each one Very in a different civic building. Very thing, especially in cities or in towns, having that single screen oh, yeah. type of experience. That's still the... And not to say there aren't multiplexes in New York City, but I don't live in New York City. I don't know if that's exactly the case. I'm sure there's some around, but when I've seen movies in New York, that's it. That's the way it used to be. 
Now you've got, you know, like AMC that are buying multiplex chains and they'll show whatever, you know, no problems. It's not any exclusivity. But now you're starting to run into Netflix just bought the Grauman's Egyptian Theater, which is uh, in Los Angeles. Everyone knows the Chinese theater. Well, this is an Egyptian-themed movie theater where they would show new releases. and Yeah, I've seen pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, and bring back old movies for a special, you know, uh, Maltese Falcon and then Indiana Jones Night in one showing, you know, a double feature kind of thing. You know, that, that's awesome. I like that idea. I'm I, hoping someday I get to go to L.A. so I can visit theaters like that and kind of yeah. tour around and see what the town's got because they've got a ton of those. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with those. I like those. Uh, AMC is the movie theater chain that we don't have up here in the North Country, but they're around. They're all over the, yes. all over the country. Well, they've been having a hard time. Obviously, before even the pandemic hit, they were having a hard time. There's talk now that Amazon is looking to make a purchase to buy AMC theaters. Well, you've got a lot of original content that's coming out. Last year, you had The Irishman come out on Netflix, and there was the big controversy. Is it really a movie because it's not coming out in theaters? Well, it had a very limited release, but in very limited markets. And if you didn't live in those markets, you didn't get to see it on the big screen. New exactly. York, L.A., Chicago, maybe a few other places, that was it. But then it was mainly on Netflix, and it was a, like a 27-hour movie. It was, it was hugely long. Um, well, Divided this, by nine, but yeah, yeah uh, like three and a half yeah, still. Close, Huge. Close. I heard a good joke. I saw the first season of The Irishman. It was awesome. I binge-watched <laughs> it. <laughs> Somebody said that at an award show. Anyway, um, well, this might solve a problem for AMC. If, if, uh, if Amazon buys AMC, they can put their original programming in their AMC theaters owned by Amazon if that comes to pass. And that solves the problem. Is it a really movie? Well, yeah, it was in all the AMC theaters, only the AMC theaters, so they could pocket the money off of it, and then they'd be there for however long, and then exclusively on Amazon Prime. You could see where that could become a thing, but then again, you run into the issues of exclusivity, especially if there are no AMC theaters in the Bemidji area, which is where we do this podcast. So you get Cynodyne that runs the Bemidji Theater, well, if they get into this kind of a thing, maybe they'll only show Warner Brother movies, for example. Well, that's fine. I'm sure they've got some great movies, but I'm also a Star Trek fan, and I want to see the new Star Trek movie whenever that might be. I want to see the new Top Gun movie. Well, that's Paramount also. They won't be showing them at, at the exclusive Warner Brothers theaters. You know what I mean? At, exclusivity ruins everything. It just does. <laughs> it just does. No, you can't buy Reebok in the stores in this town, only Nike. Well, obviously, that would make sense at the Nike store. But if I just want to go to Bob's Shoes, whatever's there, that's what I want to buy. I need a pair of shoes, and I like Nikes. I want to buy Nikes, not Reebok. And I'm curious if that's how the model would play out because, I mean, that's still only an idea of how the model would play out. But if if that is how it would play out, I do wonder just how profitable that would be or if they would just view it as, "We're, we're doing you a favor by putting these movies into the theaters. We're, we're doing it as a courtesy for the theater business, for the movies, and for those who are able to get access to those theaters. We're doing you a favor. I, I think you'll have to deal with the fact that it's only at select theaters ar- around the nation. How profitable would that be? Would they even care? Or would they just say, look, we are addressing the problem that you have brought to us of it's not in theaters. Now it's in theaters. Be happy with it. Take it or leave it. I, I wonder if that's what the mindset would be on it. Well, you've got. We've talked about this. We've had this podcast so long now. Now our favorite slogan is, "Well, we've talked about this before." 
Go back to the episode, whatever, and we'll talk more in depth. I like that. But this is one of those things where uh, it's, uh, oh, now I lost my train of thought because of the whole, we've talked about this before. I can't remember what I was going to say. I had a thought it was going somewhere. What were you just saying a second ago? Ponder on it a little bit. I, I was saying that I wonder if they feel that it would be profitable. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Or if they even care. So the theater experience. Right now you can rent a movie on, at home from the streaming VOD service. You know, Brand new movies will be at like a $20 ticket to rent it for 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever it is. And you can watch it with the whole family in one room. $20. It costs $20 per person to go in to see it on the theater screen. So you're paying top dollar and you're paying popcorn on top of that. Now, for those of you that don't know, movie theaters do not make their money based on ticket sales. The majority, depending on the setup and depending on the company and so on and so forth, maybe 80%, 80 to 90% of the ticket dollar goes to the studio. Correct. So when Top Gun Maverick comes out and you go pay a ticket to go see it, 90%, let's say, of that ticket dollar goes to Paramount. 10% goes to the theater. Well, what's the theater got to do? Well, they need to get the upholstery done and they got to have people on staff and they got to have the. That's why the snack bar is, you can, you know, a Snickers bar is $30 away. I'm exaggerating. But that's where they make their money. That's one of the reasons why the theaters in a lot of places, including our own, are having popcorn sales where you can put in an order and get a big thing of popcorn. Movie theater popcorn can't be beat, by the way. That's a Sweet. really good explanation of why that's been a trend. That's why it is. Yeah. And that's why, and I won't lie, I mean, when I was a young, starving college student and I would sneak in snacks to the movie theater, that's kind of the fun, but that's all I could afford. I could afford to go see the movie, but I couldn't go and do everything. And so I make it up by going to see a whole lot of movies. So they get something. But uh, that's how they make their money. So when you go, grab a popcorn, grab a soda, because that's how you support the local theater, because they get to keep, other than what they pay to the the food distribution, they keep the majority of that money, which is why they're so overpriced, because they are overpriced. I wonder then if this this setting would be the way that you're describing it, where let's say Amazon buys AMC, just, just as an example. I wonder then if the theaters themselves would pocket the money a little bit differently or would get a different share in that way since it is that studio, that company owning that theater. Would they set up the revenue sharing a little bit differently? Would it still go back to the movie? Depends uh, on where the movies come from. If it's I'm an really Amazon curious. original yeah. and they release it at an Amazon theater, well, then you're really not paying anything extra to get your show on your screen. It's yours. Um, but let's say let's say Universal wants to show a movie at an AMC theater that's owned by Amazon. Then you might have a different structure there. Um, but that also brings up the thing about exclusivity, you know, it's it's the same on streamers. You know, right now on Netflix, I can watch all the Police Academy movies. Well, they're also on HBO Max because that's a Warner Brothers. And HBO Max is part of Time Warner, which is Warner Brothers, and it's all together. So they don't necessarily need to be paying some special rights to get a Warner Brothers movie on a streamer run by Warner Brothers because it's the same thing. But Netflix is showing them, but they have to pay a fee to get that movie over there or to get a catalog of movies from a theater over there because Netflix and Warner Brothers are not the same company. So we will, we'll show you Warner Brothers movies, but you have to pay us to get them out there or vice versa. Netflix will pay to get the rights to get them out there. I said that backwards. 
Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that also runs out of exclusivity. So if you want to watch a Warner Brothers movie, they're not getting into this big exclusivity. You'll find them on HBO Max, which is Warner Brothers, but you'll find them in other places too. And I like that. I like the fact that there is crossover. You can get three different streamers, and many of the same movies are in all of them. But then there are those exclusivities, which I don't love so much. I just want to go to a movie theater or get a streamer, have some good selection, and be able to see what I want to see. And maybe even the option of, I have Netflix, but I'd like to see this particular movie that's not on Netflix. Could you be doing a per, kind of like a pay-per-view option? I want to watch this movie. I'll pay a couple of dollars to rent it through Netflix or VOD on my on my cable if I have that, through whatever means. I don't want to subscribe to this to watch just this one movie. I just want to watch this one movie. Can that be set up? So exclusivity, it does exist, but this is a special purchase item because we don't hold the rights, but you can pay the rights directly to watch it one time for 24 hours. So not only is it streaming, but it's VOD on demand. I want to watch this movie that you don't have the rights to, but you can sell me the rights for a 24-hour viewing window. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Isn't it ironic, Dave, that when you think back in the history of movies and movies being released, we're kind of going back to the beginning in, in some respects because when movies came out in the 40s, 50s, 60s, there was something of an exclusivity as far as how accessible they were for people to watch them as well as how long they ran in theaters. Then, as we got into bigger multiplexes like you talked about, I think that that reach expanded so much so that it, it gave great greater access for people to be able to go and see movies. Movies didn't have to be re-released every couple of years for another box office run like they did decades prior. Now you had that one theater run, and it would be a big theater run, but now it almost feels like... It, Again, we're still just wondering if this is going to be the trend that things will go post-coronavirus. But it almost feels like, hey, is there going to be a shrinking as far as how available this is on streaming devices? There already is a shrinking as far as availability for this, unless you want to outright purchase the movie on Blu-ray or DVD. Or will there be exclusivity as far as if some of these companies would buy up? theater chains will they make it exclusive in that way if that's the trend it would be kind of going back to the beginning as far as funneling where you're getting viewers coming in to see your movie which would be again it's all speculative but it would be a very interesting turn back to something that we had seen in the past although that was just the trend for movies in general you know there's a lot of reasons to go to a movie theater there's a lot of reasons to not go to a movie theater. Um, I have to pay. I have to get up off my comfortable furniture, get into my car, drive to wherever. And you know, up here in northern Minnesota, some of us live 10, 20 miles from a town that might have a theater. I have to drive for a half an hour in the car. Maybe the weather's bad. Maybe it's cold, and I don't want to get up. You know, I have to go and pay a ticket to go see this show. I have to pay to get food if I want that. Uh, to have a snack or a drink to go watch the show, and maybe the movie's bad. Maybe the person sitting next to me is on his cell phone the whole time or he's yakking or, or something's going on. Maybe something's wrong with the theater itself. Maybe I walk in and there's just garbage everywhere from the show before because some twit was just throwing everything on the floor. I always throw stuff away. I'm bound to drop something, I'm sure, 
But I mean, the crew never came in and vacuumed anything up, even a quick spritzing, you know, in between shows. And I walk into a garbage filled mess and the sound is off and the screen has got some weird flicker to it or whatever. I mean, we've all had bad experiences at the movie theater, but if you Those are actually spoken from experience there. J- Dave has actually experienced quite oh, a few yeah. of those things. At numerous theaters, some theaters that I like, you know, but sometimes things happen. One of my movie buddies loves to get on his cell phone during the movie, and I've been known to elbow him rather hard and tell him to put it away. Um, and I will continue to. <laughs> but... I went and saw a James Bond movie once, and at the very end, just before Bond is going to do away with the bad guy, the movie was Tomorrow Never Dies, 1997. I saw it down in the Twin Cities at a theater that I'd grown up going to all the time. I could walk there on my, or go on my bicycle with my allowance money to go buy a ticket, and they must have had some paper taped up in the projection booth between the lens and the window that it shoots out, so the paper fell between the projector and where it was shooting out the wall. So you could only see like the top fifth of the screen. You could, oh. he- you could hear everything, but you could only see James Brown's, James, James Brown, James Bond's eyebrows as he's putting away the bad guy. You couldn't <laughs> see anything else. And I mean, the whole theater is flipping out. And this is opening weekend. People are running back to tell the manager. And of course, somebody ran up in the booth. They pulled the paper up. But they're not going to rewind that five minutes that you missed. Nobody got a refund. People were mad. You know, well, you saw 90% of the movie. It's all building to one point, and it was at that moment that paper fell down. It made people mad. I went to a movie. It was uh, K-19, The Widowmaker, and the sound mix was way off. Any sound effect or music or whatever, you could hear fine. But main dialogue, it was just an echo. You couldn't, you couldn't make out what people were saying. But you sure could tell that Reactor 12 was acting up because you could hear that sound effect clear as day. Yes. I don't know if that was the movie. I don't know if that was the way it was supposed to be. Like Bane's speaking voice in The Dark Knight Rises, we had to adjust the mix. Or if that was something at the theater. You know, whether the screen is grainy or the colors aren't right, sometimes that's by theatrical design. Not in the individual theater, but, you know, Saving Private Ryan is sort of a washed out look, you know, but that was part of the aesthetic. Right. But sometimes it's not the theatrical, it's not what it's intended, something's up with that particular theater. Bane's voice brought its own challenges. Yeah. So, you know, that was the way that Christopher Nolan wanted it to be, fair game. Okay. But if it's not supposed to sound like that, and it sounds great in every other theater, and then you go to this one and it's very muddy sounding, you have a theater problem, not a showing problem. If you're paying top dollar and you're getting inconvenienced to go and see this, you're paying for what you you ought to get what you're paying for, which is top experience. And when things things can go sideways, despite the best of planning, but when that's the norm, I don't want to go to the theater because it's always a bad experience. I want to go somewhere else, or I don't want to go see it at the theater at all. There's been enough instances where even those that do a great job presenting, and I've, I think I maybe had like one or two problems that were the theater's issue, and it was just one of those things at the Bemidji Theater, and they were quick to fix things. You know, whoops, that's, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it. But you know, there's only so much you can do about talking people, but I've been there where the theater manager will come into the theater and start pulling people out. I've seen it happen. Yeah, and meanwhile, when you've got streaming, you can adjust the picture on your television. You can adjust the brightness. You can have subtitles. I mean, people use subtitles a lot these days, a lot to to offset any potential sound issues or for them to be able to kind of watch with a with a side eye, more or less, if they've got other things that they want to do. So 
you've got all of those things that you have access to from being able to watch from home. You do run that risk when you go to the theater. Like you said, you run that risk. But, I mean, theaters have, have upped the game in many ways with surround sound and, and with the picture quality that is out there today. And, and with those things being more prominent than ever um, to be able to offset some of those issues. They, they've, they've tried to move toward that. But it does speak to that larger point of, what's, of what is next. Yeah. Well, that might be what is next. Theaters need to become more of a draw. You need to want to see it, like I do. I love, and you do too. I'm telling you, you like this hoof. You you gotta want to see oh, it on I the do. big screen. I miss uh, THX. THX wasn't anything special done with audio equipment per se. It had yeah. It had to be what THX really was. wasn't some special device implanted in the theater. It was more about theater construction than anything else. You don't get the bleed over from other movies. How many times you've been watching a Toy Story movie and you'll hear a giant explosion that's coming from the next studio, right? The next theater that's showing Star Wars or something, and you hear it clear as day coming into the theater thx was about muffling that sound out it was about having a good presentation of and audio they've been pretty successful things were balanced it was you know you had to have some equipment but it wasn't anything magical it was about creating a good audio experience for the theater when i went and saw jurassic park for the first time it was surround sound and you know i heard the dinosaur step behind me and i saw the whole theater turned around to look behind him because that's where the sound came from like what and you, you're waiting to see this big T-Rex, and it's coming behind you, just from the audio sound point. And that was, I think, DTS. But that was a way to make audio work. That's a great thing. You don't necessarily get that. Most homes don't have surround sound set up. Some do. I do. But I, I, I want that experience as close as I can get it at home in the theater while you got enough people that are sitting there with their little phone, you're not going to get surround sound on a phone. Even if you have a headset on, it's still not surround sound. You know, it's it's good, but it's not the same. And it's a little tiny screen. I want the full experience, and I don't want those distractions. So having good food options and having good this and, you know, maybe a blocker so cell phones literally will not work inside of a movie theater. They're blocked. The signal is deadened by whatever. Um, I would not complain about that. I really wouldn't. If I need to make a call, I will do it out of the theater. If it's really that important, you have to know this going in. Cell phones aren't going to work here. You know, step out in the parking lot and yeah. things will work much better, but not inside the theaters. Maybe in the lobby. However, they can find a way to technologically do that short of confiscating them, which is never going to happen. But you need to make it an experience so that when the next movie comes out, Streamers may want them, but people want to see them in the theaters. I'll see it on stream, but I really want to see the experience. All these dogfight fighting scenes in the new Top Gun movie that delayed the movie a year without having anything to do with the pandemic, just so they could have the time to shoot them. I want to see that in all of its detail on a big screen with a great sound that you're not going to get, even with a surround sound set up at home, unless you've built a movie theater into your basement. You're not going to get the full experience unless you go to the theater, and I want that. I'd love to see great movies like Lawrence of Arabia that have been out, and I've seen them a hundred times, but you need to see it with this kind of presentation. And to boot, we're going to do something special, show up in uh, a tuxedo for a James Bond movie. Uh, we're going to do a double feature tonight where, you know, something like that where it's one, th- one, one screen out of the 10 screen multiplex is set aside for special event movies. And at times of the year when there's not much going on, maybe two screens to get more people to come in for special events. You know, whatever the case, make it a draw, and it would change, I think. Movies have always been about 
entertaining by way of transporting you into a place or a time or a certain kind of story, firing your imagination, getting you to think, all of those things. Movies have, have done that for decades, for, for a century now, for over a century. And those are the things that make the theater-going experience a big part of that, too. Because a movie is not just, is not just meant to passively kind of roll through. It's meant to, to be experienced because that's what they want. That, that's what those who put those, th- those movies together want, is that you are stepping into the world of this story and that you are really getting to experience that story. The theater experience helps to be able to do that. And, and that's why, again, I think it's another piece of why these upcoming movies and, and those who put them together and produce them they are holding out that they are going to be able to make this new schedule work so that people can continue to have that experience. Even with the streaming platforms providing what they do, you are getting the chance to, when you go to the theater, focus on the story at hand, the experience at hand, and you're taking that in. And maybe it's a little bit romantic. Maybe it's maybe I say all of this and there's a sepia tone to it, but isn't that part of the beauty of the movie experience? Is that piece of it? And experiencing it that way, focusing on it in that way? That's that's how movies were created. They were created to be something that people would go and experience and step out away from away from the world from for a little bit, but then when you step back into everyday life, you're a little bit different because you've had this storytelling experience that you've gotten to take part in. Same as when you read a book. You know, same as uh, with any kind of content that's produced that way. It's you are transported into a different place and time, and yet it impacts the time and place that you are in now because your imagination has been fueled or you got to see a story get told in this way or that way. Same with going to a play. You know, same with going to a musical or a musical performance. You are you are seeing something that's been created and it fuels your mind in a different way. And then you go and maybe you're a little bit different from that experience. From that experience. You know, the experience is the best way to put it. When it's done right, in any setting, the more you are aware that you're actually sitting down and watching a show, the less of an experience you're having. If you've got the option to pause it, it's less of an experience. It's convenient and that's great, but to go on a journey isn't always convenient. It's just, it's compelling. There are times where, and the nice thing about a theater is it's a blank slate. And you get pulled into it. It's Everything's neutral. It could be a terrifying place if it's Silence of the Lambs. It could be jovial if it's Toy Story. It could pull you in in a way that nothing else can. And for those that don't necessarily believe that, when physical media was still a big thing, DVD was an upgrade from VHS, not just for technology's sake, but it was clearer. And then they came up with a more high-def version of Blu-ray, and now you've got 4K Clearly, people want a good, crisp, clear sound and picture, generally, so long as the theatrical experience is what it's advertised to be, you get the best version of it right there. I don't, 
I won't. I don't have a problem if the theater is loud and immersive. It's too loud. Well, you're going to see an alien explosion movie. It's not going to be muted. It's going to be a little on the loud side because aliens are loud. You know, <laughs> I don't want to hear it bleeding in from the other theater though either. If I'm sitting watching Mary Poppins in one screen and Independence Day is blaring through, and I can't hear what Mary Poppins is saying because the aliens have just blew up the White House again. You know, it, that's not a good theatrical experience. When, it, when so when this is over. And theaters want to get back into the business of getting people out there. And they want to have a feather in their cap to entice studios and streaming platforms to hold off on having them in there. There's a reason because the fans want to see them here. And if you pull them out of here and put them there, given the choice, convenience might win out. You know, Not everybody. In fact, I would argue that the minority of people are going to be going to the theater to see the same movie that they could see that same night on their couch. So you got to give them the opportunity, but you need to make them want to see it on the big screen so that you have leverage. So that if the business model is, hey, we're doing a favor by showing these on the big screen rather than just putting them on our streamers, that's not a sustainable business model at some point because somebody's bound to say, well, that's money we're missing out on and at the end of the day, dollars make the deals, and that's not going to do it for us. We're cutting theaters out of the loop. I mean, I'm not saying that that couldn't happen. It could. I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. But you need to have more enticement and more leverage to say, we are going to do this here because this is where it's done the best. And people want that. Reconnect Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport here in Bemidji. Any other closing thoughts, Dave, or any other thoughts that came to mind just in regards to the COVID checkup that, you we're, know, that we're kind of going through here? One quick thing that we haven't touched on, they're already talking openly about the 2021 Oscars that would be coming up in February, February, March, canceling them. Not necessarily because the pandemic may not still be going then. I mean, that's from right now, it's what, like eight months away, something like that. It's namely because 2020 is... You know, you get the 2020 movies honored in early 2021 at the Oscars. What movies do they have to choose from? They got like seven that have come out. You know, so there's a very limited number of movies. I'm exaggerating, of course, but there's a very limited amount of new products that have come out. How are you going to do that? So if there's been pretty much the box office shut down in, let's say, March. So there's been some new content that's come out on streaming, but by and large, you look at 2020 by the time compared to any other year, the number of new productions have dropped dramatically. So what is there to celebrate? Very, very limited amount of movies to celebrate. So the 2021 Oscars, stay tuned, but they're already talking openly about canceling them because of the lack of content worth holding up. It's kind of an unfair fight. Some movies are almost a shoe in for Best Picture just because they're one of only two movies that might be eligible for Best Picture that actually came out. Know what I mean? Yep. It'd be nicer if you had a wider slate to choose from so you really have a true head and shoulders above the rest and all these others get pushed, which could make when 2021, the 2022 Oscars could be a holy moly because now everything that didn't come out in 2020 comes out on top of what was already planned to come out in 2021. I mean, you see where we're going here. I think it's pretty reasonable because, like you said, you, you're taking out a whole chunk of the year where there has been nothing oh, yeah. getting released, essentially. So I think it would be pretty fair to consider. Will they do it? Hard to tell, hard to know, but um, I think it would be kind of fair to consider since there haven't actually been movies being churned out during this time. Oh, well, there have, but there haven't. 
and many of them haven't been screened yet, at least not publicly, uh, and they're completely done. Uh, I'm sure Tenant is done, but no one has seen it yet. Will it, right. will it hold its release date? Uh, you were looking earlier at the release slate right now into August and into the fall. We would normally be doing our summer movie preview episode about now, but what's the point? The fall, though, it's going to be packed. If well, every if everything is able to be released, it's going to be packed in the fall. Stay tuned. You yeah. know, right right now, it, look, there's a schedule that, mo- that does exist. Will it come to pass? That's the other thing. Uh, at this point, is I don't see the point of really getting all worked up about release dates because I don't think it matters. And if Tenet is going to be that line in the sand, and if you build it, you can come. Well, as of yesterday in Minnesota, you could now eat at a restaurant with outdoor seating. And so a lot of places are starting to set things up. But are people coming? Well, it's only June 2nd today that we're recording this. Did people show up in mass yesterday? You know, did that work? You can build it, but will they come? Do you want to put yourself at risk? I myself love going to the movies, but if they have opened up right now and Tenet does open on the 17th of July, I hate to say it, I probably personally won't be there. If the pandemic is still going and there's no vaccine, which unlikely that's going to happen this year, you know, what I want is a safe experience and that might automatically be disqualified. Same with eating outside, same with going to a sports game, same to going to a concert that they might do anyway. If you can't do it in a safe way, do you want to put yourself at risk? Many people will not. Some people will. What a lot of folks are finding is that the majority aren't going to put themselves at risk. Again, it's the choice that, choice, that you make, absolutely. and it's the choice that everyone has to make now with but this. I look, but I look so forward to the date that it is, that yeah. it is safe to go. There is a vaccine. I want to go to the games and the concerts and the movies and all of it. I want to go and go to the middle of a big crowd, and I miss those times. You know, Walking through Times Square in New York City, elbow to elbow. I've been there, done it, like to go again. We were actually going to go this coming fall, but now we're, oh. not, now we're not going to go. Right. Um, it would be fun, but not right now. And that we want to. We will be there, but not right now. That's right. I was just about to reemphasize that, yeah, that it's just not right now. So, And that might be the majority of what most people are. They've opened up options and people just don't go. You know, some do, but most don't. Or they'll do it in a modified way. I'd love to go and grab a bite somewhere, but I'll get it to go. You know, it's made safely and everything else, and I'll just get it and get out of there. I'll eat it somewhere else or at home or whatever the case. Um, so safe options are the way that people will go right now. New movies coming out, will you go to the theater right now? No. That's the question. But when it does come back, there's going to be uh, – How do you? I don't know how to finish that sentence, honestly. There's going to be a change, which is a pretty generic way of putting it. But what exactly does that mean? Where will we go? How will we do it? All good questions. And when we get an answer, we'll we'll let you know. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it for today. We'll look forward then to the next time. Yeah, so. this is going to be interesting. This is hard. There's no win-win. The only way we win is when the least amount of people die. I hate to put it that way in those terms, but that is what it is. If we do it this way, smaller numbers will die. If we do it this way, you get this, but more people will. Well, then we got to go with the least amount of deaths. That's the only way you, that anybody wins. You know, not everyone's going to win, but let's get the best win we possibly can and minimize casualties. That's the closest I can see to a win. There's a lot of learning and figuring this out as we go, too. Yeah. Quite a bit of that. There's no plan. We're figuring it out as we go. We'll do so as well with the way that we watch the movies as well. But until then, we'll continue to enjoy movies from home and the occasional 
yeah, throwback that is kind of nice. Or you never know when you'll find a new one out there amidst all of that. I've been watching a lot of movies I have never seen before that are older ones or ones that have kind of been in the crevices, and it's been enjoyable to, yeah. to get to do that. And remember that. you know, It's nice to go onto Netflix and see the newest episode of the newest show or the newest movie or whatever. Dig back. But one of the things I notice is while there are older movies, there isn't the wealth of archived episodes and movies that you would think that there would be. You know, you get a chunk here and there, but you don't get a whole lot of other stuff. Well, splintering. Yeah, that's I where mean, the there's splintering a comes wealth in. of stuff that's really good that yep. came out 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it's hard to find. That's right. Yeah. Good consideration. Yeah. Get out there. Go see some old stuff that's new to you. Be socially connected. It's summertime. Be safe. Be physically distanced. If you're going to be in the crowds with a lot of people, uh, wear a mask or something. Protect yourself. Please, please. By extension, you're doing it to everybody else. As always, thanks for joining us today. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will eventually see you at the movies.